Welcome to Playmakers, I'm Haley Elwood, where joining me today is Laura Oakman. Laura is a friend, a mentor, someone I just wildly admire. She's great at what she does for the NFL on Fox, equally as great with her program Galvanize, which we'll get to, but this is great because she and I never really have conversations like this, so I'm really excited. So Laura, thank you for coming on. How are you? I miss you. I'm so happy to see your face, even if it's virtually. I'm yes. so thrilled that we're getting this conversation. Yeah, me too. I mean, that's the crazy thing about 2020, right? But but I know you did something really cool with Galvanize. Like I said, we'll kind of talk about that later in terms of just being creative. But I think that's kind of the cool thing, though, about 2020 is I didn't know what Zoom was a year ago, and here we are. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how like that is now just that's a verb. That's a yeah. noun. Like that, that word is so ingrained in us. And a year ago, we would have been like, is that FaceTime? Is that yeah. Skype? Like, what is that? But do you think if there was to be a winner of 2020, which I don't think there's many, but Zoom would be one. Zoom is definitely high up on the <laughs> list for sure. Zoom. But yeah, but it allows this, which is wonderful. Yes. Yes. Which is so great. And look, okay. So I thought of you last night, I was watching Monday night football, Lisa Salters had a report on Frank Gore, who I know is someone that you admire and have covered a lot in your career. She talked about his longevity in the NFL, and he said at this point in his career, he's playing with knowledge. You have spent over three decades in this industry. How are you now playing with knowledge? Uh, I love that. And anytime I can be lumped into a sentence with Frank Gore, I'm like, yeah, um, I think I think something Frank told me this year was how before it was the doubters, you know, that he was always like, who say, who's saying something bad about me? And that feeds me. And at some point you just stop caring mm-hmm. about that. And that you're always, as a woman in this business, as you know, you spend such a chunk of your time proving, 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 and it's exhausting. You know, I got to prove, I know what I'm talking about. I got to prove that, uh, that you can trust me. I've got to prove that, I, you know, there's just so much. And then at one point you kind of go, okay, I don't have to prove I belong. I just belong. And so now probably, you know, like what a player would tell us, I don't have that inner dialogue in my head anymore. I just get to be instead of think about how I want to be. I'm not worrying about what other people think about me. I'm just doing my job. And it's really lovely to be at a place in life, not just in work, but in life where you finally have that confidence. Cause for the longest time, the narrative in my head was everybody else's, you know, that maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Maybe I am a girl who shouldn't talk sports. Maybe no one does want to hear what I have to say. And so that becomes your voice. And then at some point, your voice becomes the like, you got this, like, you're great at this. Look at you, you know, look at you, look at you almost three decades in this business. And so I think that's it where you start playing with knowledge and comfort in your, in, in your knowledge, in your preparation, um, in your relationships and, I, I think that was probably one of the best things about getting older. I'd almost say about the horrible things about aging, and I don't subscribe to that. <laughs> I will talk all day about why it's good to get older for a lot of reasons, but that's one of the biggest ones is you're finally comfortable in yourself. I love that you mentioned just kind of not caring. You had said something else recently where you mentioned that you kind of just stopped having goals. And it reminded me of a conversation I had with Amy Trask a few weeks ago where she talked about she stopped with five-year plans and 10-year plans and just kind of decided to go for it. With that being said, should we stop putting timetables on things? And in a year like 2020, does it sort of reinforce that a little bit? Yeah. And and I hate to say, because it sounds horrible to somebody who's, you know, I, I've been doing this a long time. So it's one thing for me to be like, stop having goal, you yeah. know, like, so, 
oh, I would hate for someone young to hear that and go, well, then I shouldn't have a goal. But I think, yes, in terms of timetables, I just know that I was in such a hurry when I started and it was just a lot of boxes to check. And so it was, all right, I want one year here. I want one year here. Why am I not here? And everything was looking ahead. And now I look back at my journey. I'm like, gosh, that one year in Montgomery, Alabama, that I was counting down the days, you know, 365 of them, that was huge for me. That was huge for my growth as a, as a person. And that was huge as my growth as a broadcaster. And I wish I didn't wish it away. And I wish instead of looking at where I wanted to go next, I would have, you know, to use a coach's quote, just, I wish I would have been where my feet were. And I just know when I stopped looking at boxes to check and I started just being present and, and, and marinating in what I had, and I started being open to things instead of the next box, all these things I never saw in a million years started happening. You know, like now, if, if you would have said to me, what's your five-year plan 10 years ago or five years ago, absolutely nothing that I'm doing now would have been on that. So I'm really thankful that I wasn't looking so, I wasn't looking in a linear line. I started opening up my vision to going, what makes me happy? What lights me up? Not this light that just came up now. What lights <laughs> Literally. <me up>? <laughs> but I started really thinking about instead of what's somewhere I want to go, where's somewhere I want to go. I started thinking about what am I attracting? What do I want to do? And then all these awesome opportunities started happening. And it took me in this direction instead of this direction. And this direction was great. It got me here, but this direction really truly changed my life and showed me how much smarter I was than I knew, how much, um, how much bigger I was. And as a woman in this business, we get put in that little box. And so I only thought about the box. Well, what's another woman done? You know, let me look at all her boxes. And so I know now the great thing about not having that goal mentality, box check box mentality is who knows what, who knows where I'm going to be in five years. And that used to scare me at a younger age, but now it really excites me. Well, and I think the hard part too now in this world that that we live in, you know, people my age, even younger, we're so used to instant gratification. We're so used to things happening right away. We're on social media all the time. So when we don't get something that we want, it feels like we've taken 10 steps back when maybe we weren't ready for it ultimately. 100%. And also it's, I say this all the time, it's just, I talk to so many women and men, but mostly we galvanize all these amazing young women younger than me. So I just, so your age, you know, yeah. but it's always, well, this opportunity passed me by and I didn't get this opportunity. And like, then it wasn't your opportunity. Yeah. You know, if, if I didn't get it, even though I thought it was mine and you did, it was your opportunity and I can be so happy for you and I can wait, maybe not so patiently, but I can wait for my next opportunity to come. And I think that plays into the whole, the whole women compete with each other mm-hmm. because you're constantly looking at what other woman has what, or what, you know, what other man has and compare it to your timetable when there's a great chance that you and I are on very different timetables. So I do wish that I, I wish instead of going, gosh, why am I not going to the next place? I wish it was more. Well, I'm not going to the next place because obviously I have more to learn here. So let me, while I'm here, let me look at how else I can grow. What am I not seeing? And can I grow in this? Because that's going to get you to the next opportunity. And with apologies, because you're about to hear two wild puppies start barking. 
That's fine. I see them right now in the background. They're, they're great. We have not had any animals on Playmakers this season. So this is a first. And and hey, week 10, better late than never at this point. Hello, Booyah. Well, please meet Booyah and his week-old cash. I love it. I love it so much. I, I love that too. And and I think it just, it says a lot that, that you know, Patience is a virtue. That is something I try to practice every day. I I make the joke. It's something I think we heard when we were younger from our moms and we were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And now, especially in a year like this, which is so challenging and everyone has been impacted by it somehow. Luckily, if you're healthy, thank God, because it could be a lot worse, but it is something to just sort of still practice and still kind of preach and, and just sort of give yourself a little grace at the end of the day. There's a reason why cliches become cliches, right? Like, and so I think about all the times where players have said one play at a time and you roll your eyes or, you know, I'm only focused on this game and it's, it's true. It's, it's true. Truth. You know, it's cliche, right. It's just one day at a time. And also sometimes I know for me, traveling every week can overwhelm me. Sometimes I still get really worried about it. And so instead of throwing everything out, when I wake up in the morning, I just think about getting to the airport. And then when I'm at the airport, I just think about boarding that plane. And then I just think about staying safe on that plane. Like it's instead of going, how am I going to stay safe this whole entire weekend? How am I going to navigate this empty stadium or stadium with fans? I find that every cliche is so true about, again, be where your feet are, sorry, be where your feet are. And also just trying to take that a little bit of not just patience, patience, but with grace mm-hmm. and just allowing yourself to be in that moment and to be nervous about that moment and own that and then move on to the next thing. Yeah. You've become such an amazing voice for women in sports on camera, off camera, on the field, off the field, on the rink, whatever you want to call it, wherever you want to call it. What does it kind of mean to, to be in that role now? Everything, like without exaggeration, it means everything. And no, it just, it was never a plan I just always was so focused on my path because I was told for so long it was an impossible path. So everything was so much about me and my journey and my proving and where I'm going. And so it was just, it's a very selfish career. You know, if I wasn't happy, I'd go to the next place. And if I wasn't happy there, great, there's other opportunities or other options. And so I was so focused on me and there's just, there's nothing better. You know, I've said this and I know I said this to you as a friend, but it's just, I've always been so passionate about this job. I've had so much passion, but I just never had a purpose to it. And suddenly when you open up, you know, when you open yourself up and you start looking at how, not just what am I doing, but what am I leaving? What am I giving? That filled me up in ways I never could have imagined, especially as someone who doesn't have children. And so that just opened up a whole part of my, my soul that opened up a whole part of who I was in terms of, gosh, this is such a bigger thing than just what am I doing today on television? Or what am I doing today? What game am I at? But really, how am I making this industry better um, than it was when I got into it? So in week three, I want to say you covered a really amazing game between the Cleveland Browns and the Washington football team. It featured two female coaches. Also, Sarah Thomas was one of the officials on that game where all three of those things came together for the first time in NFL history. What was it like covering a game like that? It was like the schedule. God smiled. Yes. You know, like, you know, where some people would say, I hope I do the Super Bowl this year. I hope I do this like amazing overtime game where that would have been the one I would have been like, gosh, I wish I could have been a part of that. 
and and it lived up to every expectation. I think why it was so wonderfully overwhelming was because usually we're so used to talking to players and coaches. And when there's a milestone and when history is being made, they all say the same thing, which is not right now. You know, I'm going to reflect on it later and when I have time, but right now I'm so focused on what my job is and we're so used to that. But what was so awesome was all three of them were a bit overwhelmed in a wonderful way by it. And, and I, I love that all three have been trailblazers. So they're used to those, you know, they're used to bumping up those heads or pushing yeah. up that ceiling. But the idea of the three of them doing it together was really cool because I think most of us are used to shattering some kind of ceiling on our own if we've been doing this a long time. But all of a sudden, when you look around and you're doing it with other women, like that's when you know that there's a little more progress being made. So there was not one part of me that took that game for granted. There was not one part of me that tried to downplay it. Um, and the coolest part for me was every one of them came up beforehand and just found me and like, you know, as close as we could get to each other, just kind of had that like moment of, can you believe this, how cool it was. So in a, you know, in a really sneaky kind of way, I felt like I was a part of it just cause I got that interaction with everybody before the game. And I just loved it. It was so meaningful not to just be there, but it was so meaningful that they took the time to soak in the moment and know how meaningful it was too. One, I know one of the things you said too, was you got to talk about it on the broadcast and you cited Mark Teitelman, your producer, someone who I know very well, T-Man, as we all know him <laughs> jokingly, he, uh, he was a champion for that storyline and, and you shout him out on Twitter and, and gave him, you know, those props. What can you say about men like that who are advocates for women in this business? Because look, we know that we have our, our female friends and our tribes that we can go to, but make no mistake about it. It is still very male dominated and we still need them to push us along and move us forward. It's one of the hardest things with Galvanize and Galvanize has been over, you know, about a dozen years now. And so when I started that, there weren't any other women in sports. Thing. So there wasn't a space. And yeah. so right when I remember like starting to tell people about it and it was viewed immediately as like, no men. And I was always like, no, 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 the right men. Like we, we need you because if we want to succeed in sports. We need good men. We need allies. And so I make sure we galvanize to always make sure men are involved in that because if, if it's just about a bubble of women, that's never going to translate right. if we want to be in sports or most anywhere. So I think, um, I just think all the time about, I know the, the person who gave me the greatest lesson about being a woman in this business was Stuart Scott, who was my best friend for over 20 years. And Stuart was the first person to say to me, stop comparing yourself to other women. You know, when I look at you, I don't look at her or her. I compare you to him and him. And I had a boss who told me that once when I was young. And I said something about comparing three women, which at the time was a, a big amount of women in the network. And he said, I'm curious, why do you compare yourself to them? And I was like, well, I just would think you compare the three of us. And he's like, not at all. I compare you two. And he named another man, you know, and, and I was like, huh. So Stuart and my old mentor were the first men to say to me, take the woman off. You're a journalist. You're a sports broadcaster. You're a reporter. You're not a woman journalist. And so I'm so thankful for men like that who said, I don't look at you that way. I look at you as a pro. You know, do you know what you're talking about? You know, do, have you earned the trust? So I'm always thinking about men like that. And it wouldn't have mattered how excited I would have been about that story with that game. 
I needed a producer who found the value in it. And also, by the way, I needed two men in the booth who talked about it. You know, so the fact that Chris Spielman and Kevin Kugler, who, you know, have daughters, weren't like, thanks, Laura, and moved on to the next day. <laughs> yeah. They wanted to talk about that moment. And that's when it starts becoming, it starts becoming, I don't know, it, it goes from me talking about women's empowerment, which I'll do all day, but the conversation when men get involved and start talking about what a great thing this is, that's when we change everything, not just us, but we change the landscape. So I can't shout out good men enough. They're as important to us as great allies that are women. So let's get into Galvanize. You started it, like you said, it's been around for a dozen years or so. You initially had started it to help young women who were getting thrown into situations that they were just not ready for. It's grown tremendously since then. I know this, I've had a very, very small part in it, but that's the Reader's Digest version. For someone who may not know about it, how would you describe it and maybe where it is now? Um, When I started it, I just didn't know what it was. It was just how do I help? I just started seeing women get thrown into these opportunities that I couldn't have handled. And I just was like, I'm so thankful I that this, that this didn't happen when I was in my 20s or even in my 30s, because I would have been resentful of the women. Yeah. You know, I would have been like, well, they don't belong. You know, they, they weren't prepared. And I was luckily at an older age. So instead of getting resentful, I got protective and went, how can I help? And where it was, was it took me about four months to get 20 women. Cause it just, what is this? Like, I don't know. Like, I just want to help. Try it and out. Then, yeah. Just, does anybody want to come? <laughs> and how it's grown into over 2000 women. And it started with women on camera. Cause that's what I knew, but it's now women in every single, uh, you know, we touch every job in the world of sports where it's on camera, off camera agents and marketing and PR and, you know, and and women who don't even like sports, but they want the sisterhood. And so the purpose of it is, is to give you all something I didn't have in this business, which was a network of women and women that you could support, you could be supported by. And now we went from, you know, four months to find 20 women to every boot camp has a waiting list of about 20 or 30 women trying to get in. So it astounds me every time. And it, uh, it is the biggest thing that I'm most proud of, you know, of just every time that I'm in this group of women who say they've never felt this before and they've never felt the support of each other and they've never felt um, so empowered, you know, that's, that's something I would have killed for. So I never, ever, ever don't get emotional about it. And I'm never not in love with it every, no matter if it's my, you know, 35th boot camp, every single time it blows me away how incredible these women are and how much they get out of it because how much they put into it. I know you said, obviously you don't have kids, but you have about 2000 loosely, <laughs> if you want to, if you want to call it that, I do. I know, I know your mom passed away at a younger age in a way. Do you feel almost like you're carrying on her legacy a little bit by being this type of person for these young women? I was just talking to my brother about this yesterday. So funny you ask. Um, my mom passed before, uh, before she saw what I would do career wise, but I was very much pushed as a young girl, get a job, get your own money, you know, make your own path. And mm-hmm. so I was very, you know, husband will wait, kids will wait. So I was very much, uh, taught that by her, which I love, but I, so I, I don't think this would have surprised her. I think it would have delighted her beyond any words, you know, to see that I've done this for so long, but I think 
everything with women would have overwhelmed her. And my mom just lit up a room and my mom was, I mean, just sunshine, um, just anywhere she walked into. And what I used to give her a hard time about when I was young was every time she saw a young girl, if it was a 12 year old, if it was a teenager, it was like she had to stop and talk to them. And my friends, it was not rare for me to come home and see a girlfriend at the house talking to my mom, where I'd be like, what are you doing here? Like, (laughs) what is going on? And so I hated that. And I would always be like, can't you just walk by a young girl, not say something? And so I now realize the full circle moment where I was with my husband recently and we walked by a couple of teenage girls and I was like, hi, girls. And they were like, hi. And we walked by and my husband goes, do you think you'll ever walk by young girls and not stop and say hello? And it just hit me, you yeah. know, on oh, my mom. And so I think, I think that would have probably been something that would have been really, really awesome to her because I was a guy's girl. I didn't have girls. I didn't have girlfriends. I didn't trust women. And so I think she would have absolutely loved she would have loved galvanized. Like she was the original galvanizer. Yeah. So my mom was doing it long before it was anything. But I think, uh, I think, I think, yeah, I think that's where very proudly I've become her. I love that. So we talk about 2020. We talk about sort of the craziness that this year has brought. Normally you do boot camps. This year you shifted to a virtual format and you actually did a really great series. I believe it's still continuing called Who Not Do, where you paired reporters. With professionals, I got to do one of them. It was great. It was awesome. How special was that for you? And and has really hit you? I mean, you talked about the thousands of, of girls who now do this, but just the magnitude of of what it once was to where it is now. No, like it's like, I mean, well, if I said it didn't hit me, it would mean I don't see it and I yeah. do. So, so it doesn't. So yes. So it's hit me in terms of there's moments where I'm so overwhelmed by it. And it might be as simple as a birthday and all of a sudden my phone, you know, all of a sudden goes crazy and and I'm hit with a wave of love from all these young women or something wonderful happens or something happens in my life. And I feel all that. And that's, it's wonderful. You know how, like we all say, like when, if you're at a funeral and you always say, I wish I would have said this to somebody when they were alive, or I hope they knew, you know, how people thought about them. And I said that a lot with my mom, but I feel like that. I'm, there's certain days where I'll always say to my husband, like, how blessed am I? Like, that I know how these young women feel. And there's days that that carry, man, that carries me, especially 2020. But I always tell my husband, I think if you've lost a parent young, you always feel like you're going to, you're probably going to follow suit. And I'm now my age, um, the age my mom passed away. So I'm, I'm very aware of the fragility of, of getting older in life. But I always say to my husband, you know, God forbid, if anything happens, just have galvanizers get up and talk about me. like, <laughs> that's it. Like, that's all I need. And, and I feel like how lucky am I because he doesn't have to say, I wonder if Laura knew they felt like this about her. Like, I know that's how they feel. And, um, and while not being a mother, I really do feel like I get that feeling all the time from them. So I'm lucky. Everyone always, you know, this, like everyone always says to me, like, what do you, what do the girls get out of galvanize? And I can talk about that for 10 minutes, what I hope they get. But if you say, what do you get out of galvanize? I'm like, oh, forget it. Like, I don't think they get the magnitude of what I get yeah. from, from that. What was it also like just getting the response from the industry professionals? I mean, you had, a, I told you, I reached out to you and I was like, 
thanks for allowing me to do this because I'm definitely not on the same level as Rich Eisen or Joe Buck or any of them. You stop it right there. You stop it. <laughs> but, but come on, I mean, but to have men, women, people in this industry, you know, maybe not even on camera, but, but amazing professionals of what they do just to want to be part of it. I know that was another, I keep saying overwhelming, but it was. And I, I, the way that we got the number was there was like a week where I just was like, who wants to do this? And that's mm-hmm. wonderful. Cause you know how intimate the boot camps are, you know, yeah. I, I don't let more than 22 usually women in. And so it's it, the hardest thing about boot camps is telling all these other women, no, and so this felt really good because it was like, come on in. You don't have to travel. There's no cost involved. Like, if you want to be in, go. So there was a two-week period, I think, that it was just, you know, come on in. And there was 109 reporters. I swear, Haley, I thought about when I first thought I was going to do this. I was like 25. Like, I'll just do a series for a couple of weeks. And it just kept getting bigger and bigger. And I stopped at 109 because that's how many reporters there were. But no joke. There were 20 incredible people that reached out and they were like, I really like to do this. Or I was like, God, I'm so embarrassed I'm about to say this, but we're good. We're cool. (laughs) But um, it was overwhelming on both sides. One, to have 109 women in two weeks go, I want to be a part of this. And to have the caliber of human beings that said, absolutely, I want to do this. I want to make time for this was, was really awesome. Again, it's just the things, that's the stuff that I will be so grateful for and I am so grateful. And when people talk to me about, you know, the highlight reels I play in my head about my career, I'm just not thinking about games I covered or about events that I was at. That's the stuff that like, I really think about and that really sustains me in terms of my growth as, as a human being, you know, like that stuff, it's, it's wonderful. Yeah. And then lastly, Laura, we'll tie it back to the chargers really quick. You have done boot camps with them. You actually did one way back in the day. I remember in San Diego, watching you in the group sort of, you know, tool around. I don't want to say that sounds very casual, but, but over <laughs> at Chargers Park, you've done them up here in LA these last couple of years. I know that you did a virtual one this year. What can you say about the organization and just how welcoming it has been to allow the group in the building year after year? How incredible is that? Like, I love, like when you said you play a small, tar- small part of Galvanize, I was like, do not, do not do that. <laughs> that little do this. Like you are the highlight of Galvanize. Um, it, it, it's funny because it almost feels like I have to say the right things, right? Because it's like, okay, now let me say good things about the Chargers. Yeah. And yet I can't say this enough. Like they're incredible. Arthur Hightower, who, you know, Anthony Lynn, who also opened it up. But, but again, this was, this was long ago in San Diego um, when it was also opened up. But, um, but Arthur Hightower has literally given me the rookies, right? And so it's not just bringing in 25 women. It's, hey, can you give me your rookie class? And we're going to train them together. So Anthony Lynn, Arthur Hightower, they have to also be like, not just we're letting all these women in, but we trust you. We trust you with our guys. And there's something so special every time we do a Chargers camp, the guys buy in and it starts with the caliber of the guys and it starts with who they are. They buy in. They're such, they're such pros. They're such gentlemen. They're, they, they just jump in so quickly. And I know it has been one of the highlights every, every boot camp season is that's the camp that's going to fill up one of, you know, the quickest. It's just, you guys open up your building to us. And so there's so much growth in that. There's so much joy in that. And it's just, 
it's amazing. So I can't say enough how much I appreciate Coach Lynn for allowing us in, Arthur for 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 mapping out the whole program, and for you obviously helping and always making sure that you're available even on days off to come in and say hello to all the women. Well, I appreciate it. I look forward to it every year. I tell you, I mean, and I tell this to the groups too, I get just as much out of it as they do. I, I miss actually this year, even finding out those stories that, that they get from the rookies of, I, you know, it's hard, you know, you can't talk to 30 guys sometimes and, and 22 guys. And, and when you're in that room and you have these women be able to just in such a short amount of time, find out these really interesting things about these guys on a deeper level, you take that away. And, and I just, I'm so in awe of it and, and I love it. And hopefully Hopefully, fingers crossed, we can get to a place maybe next year where uh, where we can do this in person and and we can have you guys back in and and we can see each other in that sense. I hope so. It's like even saying that I just want to cry out of like hope and sadness. <laughs> but yes, if if we had a glass of wine, here's to that. But yes, um, that's one of the lovely things about this is in the old days, as of 2019, old days you know how it'd be like, I hope to see you. And it was such a pleasantry or formality. And now it's like, sister, I really hope to yeah. see you. Like, like, I really hope. Like at this point, at least it's November and it's not March anymore, even though it feels like a giant continuation of that. Uh, but yeah, no, really, really, really hope to see you eventually. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Anytime with you is wonderful time. I so appreciate you. Thanks, Laura.